Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's December 12th, 1279. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. Excavations based off of visions a prince had in a dream don't often pan out too well in real life. (laughs) But today in history in 1279 was an exception. Prince Charles, the son of the ruler of Provence, had ordered workers to dig into a crypt under a humble-looking church near Marseille. But they were rewarded by the discovery of a sarcophagus containing human remains and, crucially, a note helpfully identifying them as the remains of Mary Magdalene. Yes, this is the um, Saint Maximin skull. But let's just say right up top that uh, Mary Magdalene's supposed remains have been found at least another five times in history. So (laughs) we still don't know if this was Mary Magdalene. It it very probably isn't. But what was exciting about this discovery, especially since, as you say, it came to Charles in a dream, is that there was a note included in this sarcophagus, which suggested that at least when it was buried, they thought it was Mary Magdalene. Yeah, you almost feel that they went a bit overboard with their proofs that this was definitely Mary Magdalene, because the papyrus note read, the year of the birth of the Lord, 710, the sixth day of December, at night and very secretly, under the reign of the very pious Eudes, king of the Franks, during the time of the ravages of the treacherous nation of the Saracens, the body of the dear and venerable St. Mary Magdalene was, for fear of the said treacherous nation moved from her alabaster tomb to the marble tomb after having removed the body of Sidonius because it was more hidden simultaneously <laughs> what did you have for lunch right <laughs> simultaneously <laughs> as well as this uh, the people who were excavating these tombs claimed that the uh, air was filled with this sweet and wonderful smell of roses somewhat like those that were used by Mary Magdalene when she anointed Jesus's feet in the Bible there was also a wood tablet covered in wax inscribed with the words in Latin basically saying this is Mary Magdalene's body uh, which was (laughs) estimated to have been made between the first and fourth centuries and there was also a small piece of skin attached to the skull where Jesus they said touched Mary Magdalene after his resurrection so they went to town with this. And the inconvenient thing at this point was that for about 200 years the brothers of Vesalay Abbey in Burgundy had been doing a roaring trade from their claim that Mary Magdalene was interred there. They claimed that she had been transferred there in the 8th century from her original resting place for the same reason as the explanation given in the note that was placed in the sarcophagus that the Saracens were going to invade France and so it had been brought there for safekeeping. And I mean, the Second Crusade was even launched from Vesalay because they had really turned supposedly having the remains of Mary Magdalene into a going concern. There was also a bit of a bout of Magdalene mania going around at the time. (laughs) Surely that's just Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) There was a book called The Golden Legend. It was one of the most, you know, medieval Europe, it was a blockbuster. And it was a book of colourful and very embellished accounts of the lives of saints, which included an account which we'll go into of Mary Magdalene ultimately coming to live 
and then dying in France. So between all of these things, I mean, not to cast any aspersions on Prince Charles of Anjou, but it was a good time to discover the remains were actually in the area that you ruled over. Yeah, I had no idea that she was ever thought to be in France. Uh, But before we get there and what she was doing there, allegedly, (laughs) let's just do a bit of Mary Magdalene 101. Obviously, it was such a long time ago that we don't really know anything but we can see what all four canonical gospels noted so we know as much as you can know anything by looking at the four gospels of the new testament that she was one of the earliest followers of jesus we know that she was present at the crucifixion and for those who believe in the resurrection they look at the gospel of john to say she was there for that jesus appeared to her and instructed her to tell his disciples of his return Apart from that, we really don't know that much. And so there's a lot that we think we know, most notably that people for centuries talked about her as possibly a prostitute, which actually was pure interpretation. Yeah, so there are many Marys in the Bible. There's the Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. There's Mary, uh, the wife of Clopas. There's obviously Jesus's mother. And equally importantly, there are these three unnamed women who are expressly identified as kind of sexual sinners, the woman with a bad name who wipes Jesus's feet with ointment as a signal of repentance, a Samaritan woman whom Jesus meets at a well, and an adulteress whom Pharisees haul before Jesus to see if he will condemn her. And all of these Marys kind of over the centuries, there was an effort to synthesize them, not least by Pope. Pope Gregory I, who we all last encountered decreeing that people should say bless you when someone sneezes. <laughs> um, but they were all different characters. But Gregory I's synthesis of her broadly reimagined Mary as a sex worker who repents and becomes a follower of Jesus. And even though that really isn't the picture of her that is conveyed by the New Testament, actually that's the one that sort of trickled down through the years and I think just became synonymous with Mary Magdalene in so many people's minds, not least because of all of the Renaissance paintings that really just mm. used her as kind of, you know, hot biblical porn. And, <laughs> and that's how we ended up with this. Yeah, I mean, if you actually look at what's contained in the Gospels, you know, Luke and Mark both say that she had demons cast out of her by Jesus, and Luke refers to her as donating to his ministry. Nothing about a bag of condoms. Nope. No, <laughs> you know, more like she was a grateful patroness than a streetwalker. And the yeah. idea of her as a fallen woman comes from the fact that in the book of John, the woman who washes Jesus' feet is identified as being Mary, the sister of Lazarus. And in medieval Christianity, this was widely believed to be Mary Magdalene. But there was no, no aspersions were cast on her character or her profession. However, the Gospel of Luke tells the same story but doesn't identify the woman or her family and calls her a woman who had led a sinful life. So this led to all of these different stories being conflated into one Mary. It actually wasn't until 1969 that Pope Paul VI took the step of formally separating Mary Magdalene and Mary, the sister of Lazarus, on the official Catholic calendar of saints. But the idea that she was, you know, the wife of Jesus or in some kind of romantic relationship with him doesn't have any scriptural basis. But it comes from non-canonical texts like the Gospel of Philip and the Gospel of Mary, where she plays kind of a Yoko Ono role among the apostles. Mm. They're jealous of her because Jesus has secret conversations with her or because he kisses her in front of them. And it's quite interesting, but these were lost for most 
most of modern history. Most of these were part of the trove of texts that were found at Nag Hammadi in Egypt in 1945. So it was after this that, you know, creative minds really got racing with all those sexy possibilities as seen in Jesus Christ Superstar, Last Temptation of Christ, The Da Vinci Code. There's something about Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as for why Mary Magdalene was in Provence in the first place, well... Tradition tells us that after the resurrection of Christ, Mary Magdalene set sail and accompanying her were her possible brother Lazarus, her possible sister Martha, Joseph of Arimathea and her helper Sarah and several others. They were forced to leave their country of origin because of the persecution that was going on and they were put into a boat with no sails, so just relied on the grace of God to find their new home and eventually they were blown by both currents and winds to their in Gaul, and more precisely to Saint-Marie de la Mer. It wasn't called Saint-Marie de la Mer then, of course. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) How convenient. La Mer. (laughs) (laughs) But there are still these annual processions and celebrations there that reenact their debarkation, as if, you know, they did actually arrive on a particular date. But they were all involved, according to tradition again, in the Christianization of southern France, especially Mary Magdalene. Lazarus actually became the first bishop of Marseille. This is the bit at the end of the movie where it's cuts to black and tells you what all of the Christians did later. Right. Uh, But eventually Mary took refuge in a cave that would later be known as Saint-Baume and it's here that she ended her days in just basically like solitary prayer and penance for about 30 years and it's said that... that solitary. She was visited by angels seven times a day. Sorry, yes, apart from the angels. (laughs) Nightmare if you're an introvert. (laughs) (laughs) And the angels were there to do two things. One, to help her as her body weakened and also gradually to carry her closer to heaven to the place where the small chapel of Saint Pilon was built to commemorate this particular miracle which is now known as the the grotto or la bombe of of Mary Magdalene and Christians have been making pilgrimages to that site since about the 5th century well this is it so when you get to this date in in 1279 you'd, you'd had 700 years of of people associating this part of France with Mary Magdalene, which is kind of amazing when you think that she's from the Middle East. (laughs) And uh, after this date, when her relic had supposedly been discovered, it continued to be a place that people came to pray to Mary Magdalene. King Louis VI visited in 1447 and in 1456, praying to her for a son. He then had one in 1470, a miracle. It just took her 23 years to get round to it. She had a long to-do list. And the remains of what was discovered on this day the skull, the flesh, is now housed behind an ornate glass case in a basilica in a crypt where you can go as a member of the public and have a look. I've seen a video of some, like, you know, American pilgrims on YouTube taking their iPhone down to have a peek at Mary. Yeah, and if you can't get to the south of France, you'd be pleased to know that the remains do sometimes go on tour, apparently in a travel reliquary that fits airline carry-on dimensions. <laughs> Jesus wouldn't have paid for the easy jet leg room, so I think that's <laughs> appropriate. Tomorrow. Every child is taught it in the English-speaking world. Still... Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.